Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. There, there it is. There it, it is. <laughs> we were just talking about how annoying you are to play against, I heard. I never played against you, Stapes. No, no, I know. I'm just a friend. I, I know someone that played against you. You were way too fast you for me anyway. <laughs> when I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the Raw Knuckles Podcast. Tim and I are glad that you joined us today. Awesome stuff. Um, let's get to it. You know, uh, had a long uh, career, National Hockey League, sometimes up, sometimes down. Uh, played for quite a few teams, seven teams in uh, 15 years in, in the NHL. Drafted 62nd overall, 1979, by the Nordiques, Quebec Nordiques. We. But what I want to ask you, you're born in Oakland. What if your mom and dad don't pick up and leave to Michigan? Do you think you ever play in the NHL? Oh, absolutely not. Um, it was uh, one of those things that uh, never knew my dad. So it was my grandfather and my grandma um, who, when he retired from the military, they asked him to go to Detroit where they were building tanks at the time on eight mile. And that's how I ended up in Michigan. And, uh, you know, not having a father, some guy at the P PTA meeting, uh, my mom was a teacher, uh, said, you know, your son might like to play this game hockey We're from California. We knew nothing about hockey. Um, I don't even think the golden seals were there yet, but, uh, Put a stick in my hand and uh, off I went. I was uh, gone, and that was, became my love. So, Where'd you, growing what up, organization? Where, where, did you come through like the AAA and eventually and all that? Well, Michigan? the first few years I played in Trenton Hockey Association. Um, my first coaches were Del Gallifero and uh, uh, Eric Steinhauer. Um, these were two guys that were really instrumental in. Uh, you know, getting me into the game, getting me, uh, teaching me the game. And, uh, but it was in the minor, just house league hockey. And then when I was a Bantam, I finally made the, what they called back then an open team. And, uh, but, but the coach, uh, uh, Joe Stoneburner was his name, told me I was too stupid to be a defenseman. So he put me on as a forward and, which was one of those crazy things, as you guys would know, drove me to study the game, study the players, because there was no way I was going to be too stupid to play defense. Um, and uh, so that, there, there, uh, there went the obsession, and I started really studying the game. Next year I went to uh, a new, new team that played in the uh, Bantam Open League. And then the following year I went to Little Caesars program, which uh, is a triple-A program, and uh, uh, played two years there, captain the team, ca captain the national championship team. And uh, while we were 
playing, we do a lot of tournaments in. Was that midget or yeah, Bantam? Midget. What that was it? Midget. Yeah. midget. Triple A, because okay. yeah, Triple A Caesars Copyware. There's a bunch of them. Oh now, yeah, Slazers Copyware yeah. and uh, the list of guys that have come out of there, you know, uh, is just amazing. Uh, it's a, it's a, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of Hall of Famers uh, as opposed to Hall of Shamers that came out of that uh, program in the Michigan Triple uh, A. But uh, I got scouted uh, uh, to, to Hull, Quebec. We were doing a Hull tournament, and I got scouted. And uh, the coach who was coaching Hull festivals at the time was um, Pronovo, Jean, uh, 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 the old Hall of Fame. Marcel? What? Oh, Jean Pronovo? Yeah. And uh, so I thought, who would be better to you know, learn from than him? So I ended up going as an underage to Hull to play. And that was right in the middle of the French English war too. If you remember back yeah. then. And yeah, yeah, I do. And I do. That was, uh, it's actually, yeah, the, the late seventies, yeah. early eighties. Yeah. 76, when I come I up, yeah. 76, 77. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, when I look at that, certainly uh, I grew up in, for the States, a hockey hotbed in Boston, New England area was a hotbed. Minnesota was, um, was it always that way in Michigan? Listen, the Wings have been around forever. They've had a strong backing. But you talkie, did it really take off with Little Caesars and stuff? Or was it pretty big before Little Caesars? Uh, there was always good hockey organizations. But when Little Caesars came in, uh, you know, all of a sudden there was some money behind the youth hockey. And it quickly elevated Prior to that, there was like Paddock Pools and Slazers, which were little companies that were sponsoring uh, teams. But when Little Caesars came in, they went right across the board with uh, every age group, A, A division, AAA division, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, they were willing to do some traveling to go to different tournaments. And for a lot of guys, that was what we wanted to do was you know, the exposure in the tournaments. Some of them uh, were just starting, you know, back in 77, 76. In that time, you know, the colleges weren't getting scouted a lot for NHL. After the 1980 Olympics, when the U.S. won the yeah. gold, then all of a sudden they started getting scouted. And uh, uh, that was my Olympic year, actually, 1980. I was 20 years old, and they told me I was a pro because I was playing juniors making 60 bucks a week food money. <laughs> so I missed the Olympics, never watched the Olympics after that. And uh, uh, I guess- Why, were you bitter? Oh, big time bitter, big time bitter. I could, you know, I look at all those guys that winning gold and everything else and, uh, you know, being in America- Really? Oh yeah. Who should you, who, who took your spot? Oh, they, they're all of them. Your Rizzioni? Uh, no, Ramsey. <laughs> no, Mike, Mike. no, he was too smart to play defense. <laughs> who, Ruzzo? Your Rizzioni. Yeah. Rizzo was too smart to play defense, yeah. okay? Defense you have to be dumb to play defense. The ice. You know that. So, you, you don't get picked for the Olympics. You, you, you're pissed off. Listen, I, I did a local tryout for that team. Yeah. Okay? And... um. 78, I believe it was 79. I did, they had local tryouts uh, in New England. I went to one. I played with a kid, Bobby, here, and I forget who our other player was, but we ripped it up in that thing. And all I ever heard is, guys, why even bother going? It's picked. 
already. It's, it's political, blah, blah, blah. So BU was a big team, Jack Parker yeah. in the East, and Herb Brooks from Minnesota in the West. And they said, the team's already picked. I'm like, ah, that can't be. There's no way. I, I, I didn't want to believe that. So I go to the tryout. We ripped it up. We had a great tryout. Bobby and I didn't even get to go to Colorado to the sports festival where that's the next step. Right. And I was like bummed out. I'm like, what the hell? So I started believing, okay, there's got to be some politics in this. And there was. Now, was I pissed off? I ended up going off to Camp Montreal. They win the gold medal. I was happy as hell for them. But I said to myself, obviously, they picked the right team. Right? <laughs> oh, they did. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did. And, you know, it, it, was, it was the reason they gave me was that I was a professional. I was playing juniors at the time. Oh, okay. I didn't have the academic credentials to be going to college anyway. And, and, you know, and there weren't many kids coming out of college at that time anyway. So when I made no. my decision no. back in 77 to go play juniors, it was based on my best chance to become a pro hockey player because, you know, at eight years old, I decided that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, everyone would come up to my mom and say, oh, that's so cute. Your son thinks he wants to be a hockey player. Uh, you know, don't they know that American kids aren't hockey players? It's a Canadian game. And uh, right. then I was still doing so, it when I was 13, 14 years old. And they were saying, the same people were saying, don't you think you should get him some help? <laughs> and, yeah, because uh, a, a lot of the Little Caesars guys, they, they go to college route, right? I mean, Oh, absolutely. You? you know, they go play, uh, they play in their midgets and then the uh, uh, USHL, I think it is, mm -hmm. uh, juniors. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they're looking for college scholarships, which if I had to do it again, I would definitely go to school. I would definitely go the academic route simply for the fact that I remember the first time I had knee surgery and going into surgery and I was thinking, if this doesn't go right, what am I going to do? And no yeah. education, no background and you know, what nothing gonna, to fall back on, nothing to fall back on. And that was, and that was one of the things that really, you know, I don't want to say tormented me, but was in the back of my mind throughout my whole career. If you don't recover, I, and I had 11 surgeries during my pro career, you know, so that's a lot of surgeries. And if you don't come back, what are you going to do? Lee? It, it was yeah. so the college route is, you know, if you can get an education, get a grip on that. I mean, it's a great way to go. These kids, yeah, if, you, if you're good enough. If you're good enough, you're going to play in the NHL, whether you're in college, junior, wherever, especially today, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's absolutely. more so today. I'll give There's you a, a better chance. I'll give you a tidbit on the 1979 draft. That draft was the Wayne Gretzky year when yep. the WHA and the NHL merged. And uh, because Wayne was playing in the WHA and Rob Ramage and a lot of other guys uh, that were – uh, and they didn't know how to do it, bring them together, and the teams keep their players. So they had six rounds, and it was the first year you could take 19-year-olds, which I got drafted uh, in the third round, 62. 62, was it? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, pick taken, the, I think it was, I was the 11th underage pick taken in that, which means I would have been a first-rounder in my draft year which, as we all know, what first-rounders get is a lot more patience um, and uh, a few more dollars. 
but uh, it was uh, the highest percentage of players played in the NHL by a landslide. It was it's like eighty some percent, eighty one percent of us all played. So your draft wow. year was great. Ninety one. Your draft year. Seventy nine was a great draft year. Uh, you know, by twenty plus percentage points over any any other. You know, I went behind. Now Michelle, a lot of Michelle a lot Lillet of people don't know this. What's that? Yeah, a lot of people don't know this. That Gretzky uh, playing for the Oilers that season, WHA, yeah. right? He um, as part of the uh, merger agreement between the NHL and WHA, Gretzky was to have become eligible for the 79 draft due to already having played professionally in WHA. But he had a personal services contract with the Oilers owner, Peter Parklington, and um, he he didn't have to... um, he didn't have to go in the draft. He would have ended up probably with the Colorado Rockies, right? Yeah, I think that would probably They had been. that first pick. That would have been a pretty good you know? first pick. Right? And <laughs> they ended up with Rob Ramage instead. So, yeah, there was Hartsburg yeah. in there and Rammer and, you know. Felino, Gartner, Vive, Hartsburg, yeah. Keith Brown, Ray Bork. Yeah. Uh, Laurie Boschman, Tom McCarthy, Mike Ramsey, Paul Reinhardt, Doug Solomon, Brian Propp, Brad McCrimmon, Jay Wells. Dwayne Sutter, Ray Allison, Jimmy Mann, Michelle Goulet, Kevin Lowe. That's the first 21. And they all played in the NHL. That is an incredible draft yeah, year, yeah. right? It was, it That's was, incredible. It was phenomenal. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember going up to, you know, and the funny side of this story is, so with my junior, my first year in junior in Hull, Quebec, I was getting my backs ass kicked, um, off the ice more than I was on the ice. Uh, because- well, well, wait a second. Wait. The transition. You go up to Hull. I go up to Hull. You say you- junior A. So when you say you're getting your ass kicked off the ice, oh. tell us how that was happening. Well, I go to school. When I go to school, and the French-English war is going on, and these French guys wouldn't even let me tell them I'm an American and I got no part in the war. <laughs> and they don't care. And they don't, they care. don't care. And they just You're an Anglo. in school and I get my ass kicked. Finally, uh, um, and once I got there, it was funny because uh, Jean Provo took the job in Buffalo. So the reason I went there all of a sudden, he went to Buffalo in the NHL to coach. And a guy named Norm Burrell was the GM. And uh, who did they bring in? Guy Trassier, a little, little French guy. And uh, Guy couldn't speak any English. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and this was going on end of the year, I tore my knee out and, uh, went back home and just said, I can't do this anymore. Uh, you know, I'm not going back there to play. And, uh, Oshawa had drafted me the year before. So I went to play for the generals in the OHL. And so I was jump leagues because I was an American, they would allow me to do that. And, uh, you know, had, a, you know, had a good year there, like 28 goals and 50 something. When you were drafted by Quebec, where you're like, fuck. Exactly what happened too. Exactly. Like they show you on the TV. I just got out of here. What the, you're going (laughs) to draft me. I remember when, uh, they, my agent called me and said, uh, you're probably going to go to the Nordique. 
And I said, anyone, anywhere but there, anywhere but there. He started taking, he started taking like UFC classes. Oh, my God. Like and uh, yeah, I ended up there and, uh, you know, it, it was interesting. It was really interesting uh, to get back, put back in there. But with the Quebec, the people knew the players up there. So when you were there, you know, they didn't care. You were just a Nordique. And so off the ice wasn't so bad. Yeah, so off the time. ice wasn't so bad. I wasn't going to school at 20 years old. And uh, um, it, it, it just, it was a different situation. Funny thing is, um, my coach who drafted me was Jacques Demers. Okay. Jacques Demers, when I got there, got fired. And uh, Petit Tiger, uh, Berger, uh What's his name? Oh, Michelle Bergeron yeah, took Mich over. Michelle Bergeron took over, and another guy. He and there's Charlie Tifo, and uh, he was after. He was after. Yeah, okay, but uh, Bergeron and I got called up to Quebec and uh, to play in Philadelphia, and. Bergeron comes up to me and says, hey, Lee, you're going to play a lot tonight. Uh, you better be ready to bang, bang. And uh, oh, I was all excited. You know, here's my chance. I'm going to play. So bang, bang, did, did that mean fight? Oh, do what I, yeah. Did it mean hit? Hit and fight, play the way I play. You know, I just, you know, I'm not a tough guy. I'm just a guy who competes and, you know. Uh, you're a prick on okay. the ice. yeah. Uh, that would be a nicer <laughs> word for it than a lot of guys used. Um, okay. But so third period coming around, and I haven't even seen the ice yet. Oh. He puts me out with like three minutes left in the game, and I think I get in, I get in a stick-swinging duel with Al Hill of Flyers. <laughs> Dick booted out of the game. And I'm, you know, I'm a 20-year-old kid, and I'm just, you know, <laughs> What he, he told me I was going to play, and I never played a shit. And I'm upset. He comes in behind me. Yeah, you remember me from Three Rivers? And I said, yeah, because he tried to get me to come to Three Rivers from Hull. And I said, yeah. yeah. He says, yeah, good. Set me down, and that, that was it. So was that that was your first year that he sent you down? Yep. You went down to Hershey? I went down to Hershey and played for Brian Murray in Hershey. So you played there, Brian Murray for Hershey. Then you come back to Quebec the following year, camp, play two games, then go to Fredericton. Had knee surgery. And then, uh, and then Brian Murray. Brian Murray uh, came. Was he in Washington? He brought you? Uh, Brian Murray was one of my favorite uh, uh, hockey coaches and people, actually. I love Brian Murray. The only coach he trade me twice, but um, he, uh, he came to Birmingham, Binghamton, to watch me play after I rehab my knee and everything from surgery that uh, that year, and uh, said, "Can you play in the NHL?" And I said, "You give me a chance to play, and I'll play." And uh, he's next day they traded for me, and uh, I went to Washington. He had gotten the job with the Capitals at the time, and uh, uh, that year that I played, I think it was twenty six games with the Caps and had eight goals and 10 assists, 126 minutes in penalties. And, you know, was, uh, you know, became a fan favorite. And uh, me and a guy named Tory Robertson, and uh, yeah. we, we were uh, kind of... What's that? 
the tag team, yeah, we, the yeah. Tuyas, and uh, Tori providing was, the muscle. Tori was a lot tougher than I, and we had Randy Holt sitting on the bench too. Uh, you know, little Randy who had uh, the long gray hair, looked like he was fifty years old, but had a big left, had a real big left, and uh, um, and he just threw it like a jackhammer. But uh, you know, had a great season, and then uh, then they had the save the caps um, thing the next year where the Capitals were in financial problem and there was a big uh, to-do. And they asked me to come back and uh, they had drafted Scott Stevens, made a trade for Rod Langway and Brian Ingbloom. Yeah, I remember that. And the uh, it was supposed to be Rod Langway and Ingbloom and myself and uh, Scott Stevens anchoring the defense at that point uh, based on my stats from the year before. And uh, I got jumped by three guys in Georgetown outside of a bar and almost killed. Oh, a bar? Yeah. I was out. You were in a bar? I was in a bar, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hard to believe. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to believe. If you're like me and you're going to play some golf this summer, you have to check out this hidden gem. Windmill Heights sits atop the beautiful hills in Notre Dame de Il Perot. They have affordable rates and they offer customized membership opportunities for all levels. If you want to book a tea time, call 514-453-7177. Hit them straight. If you love your pet like I love my St. Bernard Adele, you'll want to feed them a balanced, biologically appropriate raw diet. The reason I've chosen Formula Raw is because all blends of their food are locally sourced and they consist of exclusively human-grade meat, and organs, as well as fruits and vegetables. And all products used are hormone and antibiotic free. So like I said, if you love your pet like I love Adele, you choose Formula Raw. Make sure you go to FormulaRaw.com and use the promo code RAWNUX at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. That's RAWNUX, R-A-W-K-N-U-X. You know what I want to ask you about the Washington pot, though, before that trade. Yeah. Now, I was, Rick Green came over in that yeah. Langway yeah. trade. Yeah. Okay. Greeny came over. And I had talked to Greeny and I knew Ryan Walter. He's my teammate. I love Ryan Walter. You Great know. Guy. Yeah. Now, Greeny always told me about the, um, <laughs> The Lions and the what? The Lions we, and the, we whatever. interviewed they, them, right, Rick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that one group that a lot of born again Christians on the Capitals. Couple of them. The Lions and the the Lions and the Christians. There was like five guys that were born again Christians, and and the rest were like living like crazy hockey players, I guess. And Greeny said it kind of split the team up. Did you get that feeling when you were down there? And when Murray came, did he straighten all that out? No, no. Brian was there when no. I, you know, uh, already. Uh, he, uh, but, you know, they were never, they never pushed the Christian or the believing stuff. Okay, right? so they weren't preaching. Oh, no. You know Ryan. That, that wasn't Ryan's. No, no, I know at that time. But when the group together, Greeny always felt like the team was kind of split because of that. Well, and, and that's, I think. You know, there was Dennis Marouk and myself and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of Curry and a bunch of guys, uh, uh, 
you know. That used to go out and have fun. And we, we tear it you, up. You were the we Christian? tear it up. And I don't think we really cared much what the, what the, you know, the other guys were doing. Well, you know, when it came to game time, we tried to play. Um, you know, we, we, we came to play and that was all. And, and besides that, we were taking care of, you know, the uh, other guys, the Mike Gartners and the Ryan Walters and whomever else was in that, you know, group. Uh, you know, we, you know, back then you knew what your job was and you did your job. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, and I, I was in a unique position because, I, you know, I played on the power play. I played on the penalty killing. I played a regular shift at that point. And, uh, but after, you know, after I got jumped outside the bar, uh, in some place I shouldn't have been at the time, you know, it was the closing time, uh, back when I had long hair, uh, closing time. <laughs> exactly. Um, three guys mistook me for the bouncer who kicked him out and nearly killed me and shattered my So jump. what happened oh, then? So you get beat up. Huh? I got beat up uh, really bad. I was in intensive care for four days. Um, and, uh, you know, and first thing I remember was Roger Crozier, the GM, calling me and saying, well, you'll have to make the hockey team now. My jaw's all wired and everything else. And, uh, you know, I went down to 178 pounds. Uh, you know, they forced so me. So what to, happened from there? They sent so you me get down out of the, the hospital. Again. They sent me you went the to the minors. And, uh, so they, you went down to Hershey. Yeah. And, uh, you go to Hershey, and you play the rest of the year in Hershey. Next year, you're in St. Catharines. They traded and me then, to St. Catharines because they never thought I'd play tough again after the after well, beating I got. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that goes back to what I said earlier, you know, uh, about the college education, something to fall back on sure would have been nice. You know, and uh, it, uh, so they decided. So you go off this. You go off to St. Louis after your stint in uh, St. Catharines, well, right? Yeah, again, Peoria. Again, it's one of those things that uh, I'm playing in St. Catharines. We get in, you know, and uh, oh, Carpenter, uh, the, what the guy played, coached in Jersey. Um, oh, yeah, the redheaded guy. Yeah, the little redheaded guy. Uh, and told me, yeah. you know, hey, listen, you put uh, together a good second half of the season. If I get a job, because his name's being floated for jobs. And uh, um, he, he gets, he tells me he'd give me a, take me with him if he went. And so, you know, I played really well in St. Catharines and, uh, you know, he gets a job in New Jersey. I call him up and hey, Dougie, uh, remember me? He goes, no, I don't. <laughs> Thanks. <But> anyway, <laughs> hangs up. So, so I'm, you know, I'm sitting in St. Catharines, Ontario, playing uh, softball uh, during the summer, and because uh, that was one of I love playing baseball and softball was just kind. But we won the uh, Ontario Provincials, and uh, i was sitting in the bar one night not knowing where I'm going because Toronto called me and said, we have no use for you. Um, and uh, we're not going to give you a contract, not going to offer you a contract. So I'm sitting there, my wife's pregnant due within a month. And, uh, one of the guys on my softball team says, you know, my uncle, he coaches down at Peoria, Illinois in the IHL. And you know, back then it was the national hockey league, and the American Hockey League, and then the IHL, and I'm just looking at myself and my career just going right down the shitter, and, uh, you know, I'm just uh, uh, saying, oh, God, jeez. Anyway, the next morning, 
I get a phone call from Jacques Demers and says, you go to Peoria and play well, I'll give you a chance. And Jacques was the guy who drafted me to Quebec Nordiques. And he said, I'll give you a chance to make St. Louis Blues if you play well in Peoria. And so I went down to Peoria, and I think I had close to 80 points that year. Um, 300 yeah, minutes and penalties. And, you know, 77? That's a, what a year that is. Yeah, and uh, we won everything, got voted best defenseman. And I had a great group of guys with me. You know, it was the first year that the NHL had a direct tie to the International Hockey League. So they were calling guys up and down, up and down. And uh, uh, they're still part of St. Louis, aren't they? Peoria? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I played against them. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, had a great year there. And Jacques, being true to his word, invited me to camp for with St. Louis Blues. And uh, um, thank God for Barkley Plager. He, uh, he, he, some reason he liked me. And they, I made the team that year. And, you know, didn't, you know, it wasn't really until the February came in where, you know, you start pushing for the playoffs and, uh, Ram, Rob Ramage got hurt and, uh, who's our captain or our assist, one of the assistant captains at the time. And one of the big players logged a lot of ice time and I stepped, I got a chance to step in and play his minutes. And, uh, all of a sudden in the playoffs, it was, you know, made my career. There was a guy named Wendell Clark, who I always say made my NHL career because he was knocking everybody out that year. His first year in pros with Toronto Maple Leafs. And we had a playoff series with them. And I did okay with Wendell and uh, two or three fights we had that playoff series. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and the funny thing is I'm arguing over $5,000 with the St. Louis Blues. Meanwhile, Jacques Demers signs with the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings trade for me. All of a sudden, my salary doubles, and uh, you know I'm back with Jacques. And you know Jacques, Jacques was super guy. You know, and I can't say enough good things about him. But Jacques was not what I'd call the greatest coach, but he loved guys that could just go out and would play the game, just play it because they love the game. And, uh, you know, if you, if you ever notice, he always loves his old players because they just go play. And did you grow uh, up a Red Wings fan? Were you a huge Red Wings fan? Oh, I grew up. Uh, like that's what yeah, I wanted. So what was that do. like? Were you just, was this like a dream come true? I bet that uh, this was larger than life for me. I mean, it's like when Nutsy, you went back to Boston, you know, they just all of a sudden home. Not quite the same, but <laughs> I was near the end. You were still right in your prime. Well, I was I just was starting right to actually end. get into it. And they were the dead wings the year before. And I remember coming across the ice and Stevie Eiserman, uh, this would have been 95, I think, was cutting across and I caught him. And uh, as he tried to cut back and broke his collarbone and uh, had to fight all the idiots on Detroit at the time. And uh, when did that, when was that? When you were in St. Louis, you hit Eiserman? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So you come to Detroit now. How did they treat you? Well, it, it was, it was, Stevie and I, I, I can't say enough good things about Steve Eiserman. Uh, Stevie is just one of the 
best people I know, besides being a phenomenal hockey player. And he was just, and it was just one of those things that the culture in Detroit was such that, you know, the dead wings, and I'll throw a tidbit in here. My first wife's father, Jim Bishop, who had lacrosse fame and everything else, started the pro lacrosse league with uh, the Norris family. And, but uh, he hired Ned Harkness, which began darkness with Harkness in Detroit when the teams just were absolutely at the bottom of the basement. And so I got there, and I'm not saying because I got there, but, you know, Jacques got there, and it changed a lot of the uh, um, attitudes, you know. That all of a sudden, you know, we're going to change. Stevie's attitude changed from, you know, say like uh, Willie Huber and Donnie Murdoch and those guys to, you know, he wanted to be fulfill his. When does Itlich? When does the Itlich family come in? What year was that? That was in seventy-seven, I think seventy-eight. So, when did things start to change? There was it that year when Eisenman yeah. come? Yeah. Well, that and was the building that was, block. But again, there were, you know, I could, I'm not going to go into the stories, but, uh, you know. Well, that's what we want. Well, in my. You going to fucking hold shit from us? In, <laughs> yeah. in my, uh, in my experience that, you know, there were guys like Donnie Murdoch and Willie Huber and guys like that, that, uh, you know, they had other ideas besides just playing hockey. They were off ice nightmares for the coaching staff and okay. got rid of him. Uh, Iserman got his shoulder busted by, you know, a check by me. He went back home and trained his ass off, came back into camp, just in amazing shape. I remember Jacques Demers asking me, who, who should I make captain? And I said, who's your best player? And he says, Steve Iserman. I said, that's your captain. And, uh, yeah, uh, Stevie, you know, Stevie all of a sudden turned all his attention to being the player that he wanted to be. I mean, he was scoring 60 goals. I mean, yeah. I, I was watching him go through people, dancing through people and stuff like that. And meanwhile, we had a really tough team. I mean, uh, we had guys like Bob Probert and Joey Kosher, uh, Basil McRae on our team, uh, Steve Martinson. I mean, uh, you know, we got McClellan later. I mean, we had a lot of really, by the time they got down to me, I was fighting guys like Eddie Olchek. I mean, it was just, uh, it was one of those things that uh, it was an interesting year. And, uh, but it all of a sudden turned around. We made the playoffs that year. We went to the semis and lost out to uh, Edmonton. And Edmonton won the Stanley Cup that year. Um, and, yeah. then, uh, we and then again, we had a phenomenal team. And the whole attitude on the team turned out it wasn't. You played sixteen games that year in the playoffs, right? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, and uh, you know, and uh, it was it was it was awesome. You know, it was you know, and Jack, you know, you know, I'm not, I, I make fun of it, but you know, my my job became with it, whether it was with with Rick Zombo or. Gilbert Delorme, who I think he played, might have played with in uh, yeah, I Montreal. Played with I love Gilly. And, uh, Good guy. And Rick Zombo, I think he's coaching out in Lakewood uh, uh, in uh, Missouri right now, uh, which went Division One college team. But to Rick and we were given the task to check all the top players. And uh, yeah. it, it was uh, one of those things, you know. So you get 
every time Gretzky was out there, I was out there. Every time Lemieux was out there, I was out there. You know, all those guys, uh, you know, and <laughs> and and we always laugh, uh, me and a couple of the boys, uh, saying, yep, they're all in the Hall of Fame and I'm in the Hall of Shame, so I guess I didn't do my job very well. Was Doug, wow, was Doug wow. Shed in there? Were you with Doug? Shed Z. His nickname <laughs> was Empty. Empty. <laughs> I used my coach for like four years in pro. So. Oh, my God. Shedsy was uh, – he, he was just one of those great guys, you know, loved it. Harold Schneps was there. Uh, Michael Schnepsing. Wait, why was his nickname Empty? What was? Why was his nickname Empty? Because his beer can was always empty. Every time he asked him how was his beer, he'd go empty. <laughs> so we nicknamed him Empty. Yeah. And yours was full? Uh, mine, your, your was, can was full? <laughs> mine was over-served with that group. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I played with a lot of hard-living players, in, but there was never a group like that. It was... Yeah. So, so his was empty, and you had like five of them half yeah. empty. Yeah, his was blackout. <laughs> yeah, yes, that was more, uh, you know, but knock on wood, I never, uh, it, it, it was, let's put it this way, it was managed at that time. It was. Oh, it never interfered with your play on the ice. Okay. Well, and you. it was funny because I'll, I'll tell you a story. I get called in during the summer uh, of 88. And uh, Jacques Demers and Jimmy Devolano call me. You had in. to take a breathalyzer? <laughs> no, they didn't. They called me in the middle of the summer, called me into the office, and they said, Lee, we want you to set an example. You're always Woo-hoo! setting up all these events and parties and things like that, where we're going when you're in town. We want you to set an example for our young guys like Bobby and Steve Chason and you know, Jeff Sharples and all these young guys that they had huge hopes for, Joey Kosher and and uh, and I, I walked in there listening to this and I, I just looked at him, I said, is there something wrong with my play? And they say, no, you're our top defenseman and, uh, you know, we, uh, we want, we think that you can set a good example for these young kids. And uh, I said, what's in it for me? And they looked at you. You want to raise. You want to raise. They wanted you to mix in a water once in a while. And what they <laughs> and they turned around and what they did was they said, we'll give you a brand new three year contract and make you the highest paid player. Wow. I said, I don't drink anymore. So they did. Did you stop drinking? I stopped drinking. Yeah, okay. Three years. Oh, wow. Three years I stopped drinking. I set up all the same things. I just never drank. No way. Oh, but uh, I also named, uh, got named, uh, what they nicknamed me was Grumpy Bear because I became a very grumpy individual <laughs> because, uh, you know, that was part of, you know, when I was growing up, that was just part of the lifestyle. You know? How difficult. Listen, I, I grew up in that too, right? That and it was, lifestyle was big. Drinking, playing hockey, play yeah. hard, drink hard, oh, yeah. and all that. Now you stopped for those three years. How difficult was that for you? Did, you know, being around it all the time, setting up all those team things, wasn't that difficult for you? Like the temptation? It, it was, and uh, um, I wish I knew then what I know now. But uh, it, it was like being isolated, being you know, um, there were there were a lot of trying moments in it. But uh, you know, one thing. It was, if, if it's going to help, you know, one, it was helping my p- pocketbook. Two, if it's going to help the team, you know, I was willing to do whatever it took uh, to help the team. And, and, and it, was, it was kind of funny because 
it, I, I didn't really think about it. And I had some of my best years, uh, you know, I had 42 points one year, you know, hundred and blah, whatever, you know, and, uh, it, it was, it was one of those things that I didn't really think about it. All I thought about was how it was going to help the team, you know, and, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was setting an example. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm grouchier than all, you know, <laughs> I was ill, ill mood every day, it seemed, but, uh, you know, it was just one of those things that, you know, and when players and in practice was where it was the worst because players would screw it up and get, you know, and I'd get pissed off and, you know, start running them and things like that. And, uh, you know, it was. Uh, so you spent four years there. All right. Uh, you're 90, 91, yeah. uh, 21 games. And then it's off to uh, New Jersey. Finally, dream comes true. You get to go to New Jersey. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it was funny. And, and uh, it's funny because Brian Murray's now coach. and uh, In Jersey? In, in, no, in Detroit. He, in Detroit. He gets hired in Detroit. And I'm excited because I like Brian. I, I think Brian's yeah. a really good coach. Um, but he doesn't like you? Not so much that. Um, I think it was... Well, I'll tell you the honest truth. My contract is coming towards close. I'm going to have a new contract at the end of the year. And I picked up a drink, and all of a sudden it was over. Brian Murray okay. seen the uh, seen my behaviors when I was in Hershey and things like that. You know, uh, in Washington, there was alcohol involved. You know, I was at the bar drunk, you know, that night when I got jumped. And uh, all of a sudden, whether it's warranted or not i got labeled as a party guy and uh, so murray we're in new jersey playing one night i'm with st louis and we're playing one night and troy crowder knocks out proby in a heavyweight boat i remember that yeah yep. and it's all the buzz and i knock out john mcclain in an open ice hit at center good I don't like him. <laughs> and, you know, and all of a sudden, Lou Lamorello gets, as it was told to me, gets a brain, the idea that they need the kind of toughness on D, you know. And uh, so I get traded to New Jersey and uh, for Paul Eisenberg. He was a real good minor league player and was just starting to come along in the NHL. And had some good years in Detroit. And I see great guy. He's a horse guy, loves his horses. And, uh, but, uh, so, so I'm off to New Jersey. Uh, one night I'm fighting a guy, uh, we're in Philadelphia, we're in Jersey. Uh, Danico's fighting, uh, who is he fighting? Bruby, I think. And I was fighting a kid, uh, oh, it'll come to me, but, uh, caught me in the side of my, my arm came out. I had a shoulder injury from a, a thing with Marty McSorley in LA. And uh, my arm shoulder came out. Um, the Kushner, Dale Kushner, just caught me right in there and fractured my orbital zygoma. So I missed most of the season, uh, rest of the season. It was, I don't know, 30 games, whatever it was, with I, a fracture and uh, had to fix my shoulder. Yeah. And that's Jersey. And that was so the New Jersey season. You know, and then we come back and we, we had a good team. 
And I think it was the year Pittsburgh won their first cup. We we're playing Pittsburgh yeah. in the playoffs, and I come back, and we're up three games to one in the series, I think it was. And uh, <laughs> a funny story. We're up 3-1 three, three in the series, and uh, we give up a three-on-one to Yager, Lemieux, and Joey Mullen. Are you the one? I am. Okay. Okay. And Lemieux, you know, and Lemieux was the toughest guy to defend just because he was so big and so so talented and so uh, uh, strong. And he dishes it over to Yager, and Yager rings it off the post. Tommy McVie is coaching. We end the period. We're up 3-1 in the game. We're up in the series 3-1. And Tommy McVie comes in screaming. Just absolutely losing his mind. And if you didn't, don't know Tommy, he had that voice like God was talking to you, gravelly voice, and he comes in, Jesus Christ, what do you do on a three-on-one? That's so freaking stupid, blah, blah, blah. And then and for whatever reason, he turns to Troy Crowder, and he says, Troy, what the fuck do you do on a three-on-one? And Troy just kind of looked up without even breaking a smile. He says, well, usually, Tommy, I try to scooch down the bench a little so I can get a better view. (laughs) (laughs) Brendan Shanahan and Bruce Driver, we just all start laughing. Tommy spins. We lose the game 4-3. We lose the series 4-3. That was it. That was it. So trying to figure out a uh, contract, a new contract. And um, my wife at the time, she didn't like New Jersey. And uh, so I didn't want to sign. Uh, and then he sent me up to uh, uh, Hartford for the whale with Jimmy Roberts was coaching. He took over yep. for... Uh, Cheetah. Huh? Cheetah. Cheetah? Cheetah. Uh, too slow. Yep. Too slow. That's all he ever freaking said. Cigar, always with the cigar. Oh, my God. Right? And uh, I was there, you know... I sat for six games, and then they played me for six games, and then uh, uh, Brian Sutter was – Bob Berry or Brian Sutter was coach of St. Louis at the time, and they traded for me again and went back to St. Louis. And uh, okay. and I ended up in St. Louis uh, playing. And, uh, you know, I, I, St. Louis was a great town. I, I enjoyed playing in St. Louis. And then all of a sudden uh, – we're playing in Detroit one night, and Konstantinov ran Craig Janney. So I'm chasing Konstantinov all over the ice. We're up three three to nothing or something like that, whatever. And I was chasing. Was Shanahan there too at the time? Shanahan was you? on the Blues. Shanahan was on the Blues okay. at the time. With you? Yep. Okay, yeah. with Janney? Yep. Okay. And uh, so – I'm chasing Constantinoff and Dino Cicerelli grabs me and I pop Dino and he let, lets go of me. Chase on grabbed me. I popped him. He lets go of me. Stevie Eiserman, who I, I just, you know, like. Who you love. Who I love. You like, can't just pop him. Great guy. And I say, Stevie, I'm going to count to three and then I'm going to hit you. And, uh, and Stevie just says, you don't have to. And let go of me. Ends up. Good. We win the game. Game's over. 
And the big thing is Proby, Bob Probert, and I are going to fight on Saturday because we're playing a home-and-home. Home. Thursday, Friday, we fly back to St. Louis in the morning. We practice, and then Saturday night, it's supposed to be a, a, a bout between Bobby and I because Bobby's going to be the protector, which he did pretty damn well. Um, yeah. And... Uh, we fly back to St. Louis. It's beautiful. I practice. It's 70 degrees out. And I figure, you know what? I'm going to go over to Brendan Shanahan's house, get my motorcycle out, take it for a ride. So I get out there, and I'm not paying attention. And all of a sudden, I hit a guide wire coming down from a telephone pole, snaps my handlebars. And I'm sober as a judge. And uh, I go flipping over. Land on my feet, I blow my foot right off my leg, compound fracture. My foot's going one way, my leg's going another way, and I'm laying all twisted up, and the bike's on top of me. I get the bike off me, and, and this is no lie, hand to God. I'm, first thing in my mind, I don't care how good they take this, I'm not going to be able to play tomorrow night. <laughs> I got plate and eight screws in there, <laughs> and... Uh, and probing in his book says I was afraid of him, and that's why I did it, so I didn't have to fight him. <laughs> I guess not. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And then basically that was the end. You know, once you start losing half a step, even of course you start reaching, and uh, you know it, it was over. And then all of a sudden injuries started happening, even more routine than they were. And you know, before I knew it, I was out of a job. Were you done? Was your so, season done that year? Obviously, when you got oh yeah, I was done and yeah, uh, just done. Uh, yeah, I, I and then they went on strike. And you no, know, I signed again the next year, and Brian Sutter took over from Barry as coach, and uh, was having a good season. And then all of a sudden, you know, the young kids are coming in, and uh, um, you know, I, you know, if I got a point every other game, and you know was checking the top lines, you know. It, that was a pretty good season for me. I was going about it. And then all of a sudden, Brian thought, uh, oh, who do you bring in? Stefan Cantel and Murray Barron and some big, a lot bigger guys. I mean, bigger defensemen to uh, uh, shore up the. So you go to Calgary from there. And you finish out in Calgary, right? No, it was just a favor. That was a favor from uh, the GM in Calgary at the time, who was hired originally by my ex-wife's father, Jim Bishop, in Detroit. Who was the the GM? Um, What was his name? Was it Coates? Yeah. Yeah. Coates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you go to Calgary, finish up there. and my, my, ankle, my ankle is so bad and I tore, uh, I went down and caught a rut and tore a, uh, uh, labrum tear in my hip. And then this is back when they didn't, uh, you know, know about the labrum tears and then it, it just wouldn't get better and wouldn't get better. I could walk, I could run, I could do all that. But when you do that skating strider, pull right over my hip. And, uh, I told, uh, Coach, I said, listen, I'm going to go back to Michigan and think about this for a while because they're talking about surgery and everything else. And uh, so I went back home. <laughs> this is this is great. I should write a, write a book on this one. I grab one of my motorcycles and go down to Bike Week in Daytona. And I'm sitting on the beach with my motorcycle and my brother-in-law I'd let him have one of my motorcycles. We're sitting on the beach and... Uh, 
and their phone's ringing, and it's Calgary. And I don't want to answer this. I don't want to answer. Finally, after the second day of the phone ringing nonstop, I answer the phone, yeah. He says, hey, Lee, we're going to make the playoffs. Uh, we want you to go to San Diego and get in shape. <laughs> and I said, well, if you ship my bike to San Diego, I'll go. So they shipped my motorcycle to San Diego, and it went to San Diego. First game I played, I caught a rut, my ankle. I caught a rut headfirst into the boards out. And then we, then I did play in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, and we, uh, and I don't know, I think we lost out in the semi. We lost out to Atlanta. You played eight games in that, yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, I played um, eight games. We lost to Atlanta. I think I played one game in the regular season for San Diego. Then uh, got hurt, and it was just, it was, you know. Then I just hung out looking for a coaching job, and I think I played for the Vipers and the Wolves for 25-game tryouts, and um, then I got. So you finished with the Dragons in 96-97. Yeah. And what goes on now post-Korea? Um, listen, uh, just my own experience, I had a very difficult time transitioning out of hockey into the real world. I struggled. There's no question about it. Bunch of surgeries. I got addicted to pain medication. One thing led to another. Before I know it, I was rock bottom. Um, I didn't know what to do or where to go. You talked about falling back, having that education. I remember I'll go back to my dad telling me, I don't want you leaving school. You're putting all your cherries in one basket. You know, you got an opportunity to get an education here. I quit school. I went and played hockey. Um, I had nothing to fall back on either. Now, what happens? We're very in similar retirement? in a lot of regards, Nuxie. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So what happened? Well, um, so the uh, I get called right before training camp, and uh, was it Bob Boring gets a job, uh, coaching job, and he was co- he was coaching in Central Texas, in Central Texas Stampede in the uh, Southern Pacific or whatever the um, hockey league was. And they asked me if I wanted to coach. And I said, yeah, I'll coach. And so I got down there. I mean, right at training camp, stepped in and uh, I, and I loved it. I, I really enjoyed coaching, especially the guys. They listened to every word you said, and they, they really wanted to try and get better. They would love to try and make us jump up to the next level, whatever that was. And a couple of them actually did, and uh, but uh, so I'm coaching and uh, you know enjoying my time down there, and then you know I love Texas. It was you know it was great. I love San Antonio. I love Central Texas where I was, Colleen, Fort Hood, at that area, and uh, Temple, and uh, but uh, all of a sudden I had gotten a uh, a real estate license and wanted to think I knew a little bit about real estate. My best friend was a golf professional, and uh, we'd always thought about what a great way to live your life, build a golf course, own a golf course. All I have to do is sit out there on the driving range, hit balls, drink a few beers, and I can ask you how you enjoyed your day at the golf course and uh, back in Michigan. And uh, so that's... That season ended, I went back to Michigan, and I bought 400 acres of property out just west of Detroit in uh, Brighton Township. And uh, Andy and I started working on building the golf course. 
Um, and uh, I was a real estate guy, I developed 125 home sites around the golf course. Andy was brilliant uh, um, as far as developing a golf course. It's still there. Um, in, wow. uh, yeah, and uh, 90- so what happened? What happened? Did that all? Did you a partner in that? Yeah, you know, Andy and I are partners. Um, we I've had three guys that were just absolute blessings of friends of Andy's and mine. Um, very um, knowledgeable businessmen that helped us out, and then uh, we got a third guy who, let's say. Yeah, he basically ended up screwing all of us and uh, took a million three out of our operating budget. We opened in 2000, the golf course, and uh, the, uh, I, you know, then we had the dot-com bust, and then we had 9-11, and all the money dried up, and uh, I didn't have that kind of money to uh, bail it out, neither did Andy, and uh, so it went in foreclosure. A friend of mine ended up buying the golf course. And he runs it still today called the Huntmore Club. And it's a great golf course. It's just absolutely wow. great golf course. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, the, then I had 100 acres on the golf. Because I separated, one of the things I did was I separated the land out, deeded all the land, the golf coast course owned free and clear, and put all the debt on the houses. And then I, just before um, that, I, um, I, uh, sold the residential to a national builder and uh, um, and all of a sudden, you know, the bankruptcy comes for the golf course. I had, you know, this is one of those things I hate to talk about, but it's, you know, because I, I just wish there was another way, but I had to put my, all my assets into my second wife's name at the time to protect them, you know, and then she put them into her father's name and kind of, you know, divorced me. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting there 17 years after uh, playing, you know, hockey for 17 years. I I had nothing. I was had zero. Lost the golf course. Lost everything. And uh, and then I kind of like you. My transition to trying to what am I going to do? Who am I now? Where am I going to go um, in my life? And uh, you know, so my drinking elevated and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, then I got, uh, I was voted to be president of the Red Wing alumni. And uh, one of the things that was good for me was when I was busy with projects. The golf course was like a project. My mind was on that, not what I, I was thinking about. Yeah, somewhere to go every day. Yeah, somewhere to go. And then I, I was there and then I was coaching at Eastern Michigan University which was a club team, a Division One club team. But, uh, you know, and I was thinking that this would be great if I can get the money together and, you know, uh, get them into a Division One NC2A team because um, I got Michigan State right there. I've got Wayne State right there. I've got the U of M right there. And uh, then they, you know, then the powers that be said, no, this is an academic school. I said, all your sports teams lose money. We can make money here and help support your other teams. So that didn't happen. But uh, then I was working also for a uh, construction company. And uh, then one night, uh, I was coming home from a, uh, 
I was doing an autograph actually during Christmas. So when's it go bad and when's it turn around? Well, it was turning around at that time, and that was been 97, 96, 97, I think it was. And I was putting, you know, some things back together. But uh, I put the, when you played in the game, I put some charity games together with the Boston Bruins, the Montreal Canadiens, yep. and the I remember um, we, Toronto. We had a night out. And I we, remember. Yeah, we did have a night out. And, uh, <laughs> Um, again, I was overserved that night. Thank you, nuts. Um, well, but I, I would have had more if it wasn't for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bastards—they served you a little more than me. Yeah, that 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 was it. As we were in Detroit, we were in Detroit, and uh, I knew if we got to you know, and, and I was working with the NHLPA trying to get them to buy into creating a NHL alumni league where we play each other twice, home and home, you know, the, yeah. the original six. And, uh, you know, so I was working on that. Um, I was coaching at Eastern, and uh, and one of the things I was doing was putting hockey games together like that. And I did that for the fire department to raise money for their, um, which through my company, that's what I did, was entertain the fire department and police departments and things like that. And... Uh, I'm on my way home one night uh, from doing an autograph session to raise money for a little girl, eight years old, terminal cancer, and we we're just trying to raise some money, extra money, signing autographs and stuff. Ten o'clock at night, girl going 50 miles an hour texting hits me head on. Half a mile from my house. Now, were you in a car or a bike? I, I was in a car. I was okay. in a car, yeah. And uh, we... Uh, um, I had a girl with me, and uh, she was okay. The other girl was okay, thank God. I got thrown out the window and um, busted my face all up, my knees, my, you know, 27 surgeries later to put me back together over the next 10 years. Um, it, you know, my my life changed dramatically. Do so when, when, that when do you, What's that? What, so you have that accident. You have all these surgeries. When... Do you make when do you hit rock bottom and make the decision? I I need help. Oh. I I gotta get some help. Well, that was funny because uh, you know at, at that time I'm thinking, you know, of all the things that have happened to me, and it's it's one of those things that I thought drinking was the only thing that made me feel normal. I was hanging. Yeah. I lost my golf course. I lost everything I owned. I lost. I. I got nothing. And all of a sudden now I'm thinking, God, you've taken away my athleticism. I have artificial knees, artificial hips. I got plates and screws everywhere. I got more metal in my face than the average car. And uh, I used to be as good looking as states, uh, Nuxie. Yeah, you know that. A little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, just having surgery after surgery to fix, fix everything. And, you know, it was rehab, drinking, rehab, more drinking, you know, and uh, then one day one of the surgeries didn't happen so well. They were rebuilding the uh, some of the bones and things, trying to fix some issues I had with breathing. Yep. And uh, I decided I'd get on my motorcycle and take a ride down to the local pub and watch U of M play Michigan State. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Then I, then at three o'clock, St. Louis was playing Detroit in Sweden, so I figured I'd just sit there and watch that game. And then the Tigers were playing the St. Louis Cardinals in the uh, 
uh, baseball for a World Series. So I sat there and watched that game. And I got there at noon. I left there about 1130 at night, uh, October. Uh, you know, rainy, cold, sleet, snow, one of those. And I'm going down Michigan Avenue on my motorcycle. And next thing I know, I was sliding across two lanes of oncoming traffic on my motorcycle. And... Uh, and it slid under the truck, bike was destroyed, not a thing happened to me. Little, and this is where it gets great. This is, you know, as I always say, God working in my life where, you know, some others may not have been so lucky. But little Asian girl who is a police officer comes up, the first words out of my mouth is, do you know who I am? And she goes, I don't think I care who you are. I think you're drunk. And uh, I really didn't have a reply for that because yeah, I was. And uh, I tried to blame it on the snowy roads and the yeah. ice and everything else. And she, you know, she says, you can go to the hospital or you can go to jail right now. I said, I'll go to the hospital, get checked out. So he did. And then then I, I'll go to jail. Yeah. Then, then I'll go back in and check in and everything else. Meanwhile, I'm on the phone because I did a lot of charity work for uh, the police association, the Thin Blue mm -hmm. Line. I was an honorary member of the Blue Knights, which is a motorcycle club for police So you officers. go to the hospital and, and uh, checked out. Then checked out and, and I go home and there's nothing they can do. My, You know, I'm drunk. Yeah. They got my blood and everything else and... Um, I got, you know, I've had stories where the blood disappeared before because guys helped me in different situations. Um, but this was one of those things that, you know, and I look back on it as God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself because I thought I was, um, you know, invincible, invincible. And, uh, but so that was happening and now it's Christmas time. My boss from my construction company invites me to the, his house, and uh, I haven't drank since the motorcycle accident to Christmas. Uh, got a monitor and this and that, and he's got red wine, and I I enjoyed red wine. I drank it like a pig, but um, I wasn't a sipping type of guy, and uh, got drunk. Girlfriend at the time, one of my hostages, takes me home. I look at her in the kitchen. I say, I'm going to quit drinking. Out of the blue. Had no idea how or anything else. And she just kind of chuckled. Yeah, 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 sure. Well, a couple days later, I'm sitting uh, on my couch having a cup of coffee. And there's a TV show. And it's talking about the NFL concussions and all these situations these football players are dealing with because of their concussion syndrome, CTE. And I... Snapped in right away. I said, that's my problem. I've had so many concussions. That's why I do exactly what these guys are doing. You know, the alcohol, the DUIs, the bad, you know, I'm mean, I'm angry, I'm this, that, the other thing. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm, that's it. I get on the phone. I call Brian O'Neill at the NHL offices. And I said, I said, Brian, I'm dealing with this and that. I got a DUI and I could be doing jail time and I could be doing this. And this is, you know, and he goes, Lee, just sit right there. I have a guy call you in five minutes. Don't do anything. Five minutes later, I get a call from a guy named Dr. Colucci. And he said, never mentioned drinking whatsoever. Talked about we have a 
place where we can send you with dual diagnosis facility. They never even mention alcohol to me. Yeah. And I'm going like, okay, great. We'll take care of your problem with the judge and everything else. And he, Dr. Clucci worked with the, the Red Wings. So I'm in front of the judge and the judge gives me the choice. And I think I'm going for my concussions. He goes, I've never done this for anyone. He's a Ed Polanyi, uh judge. He says, uh, you're the only one I've ever done this for. I'm going to give you one choice and you make it right now. You can start your one year in jail because I've had two DUIs within seven years in Michigan at the year in jail. And, or you can go to rehab in Malibu, California for 30 days. But if you ever come back out, uh, I'll put you right in jail. Being so, the player I am, I, so, I made the right choice. <laughs> so you go to Malibu. Uh, I went take- to Malibu. I went to recovery. And all of a sudden, they started talking about the disease of alcohol. And all of a sudden, I'm going like, that may not be the total problem. This isn't the place for you. Yeah, this is where I belong, exactly. And and I, I and I did. And, you know, they in there they talk about the promises. You know, on the 29th day they let me out so I could go watch my son graduate from Arizona State. Um, and then the next day I flew home to Michigan, went to a meeting that day, and uh, found my sponsor and Fireman Tom, who is, uh, lived yeah. in Plymouth but was a fire chief in Detroit. And uh, so, what year was that, Lee? That would have been in, uh, well, my sobriety date is 12-23 of 09, so that would it so have been. 09. It, it was 09, yep. So and, up, to Mal- uh, up to Malibu, did, like, no, your son or no one no one ever, like, was concerned about your drinking, really? Or, you know what I mean? Did anyone ever talk to you about it? Timmy, I'll tell you what. I was so mean, nobody would ever cross me. I mean, it just wasn't something that would ever cross, you know. Nobody, everybody knew. Yeah. I mean, Fireman Tom, my sponsor. Everyone knew but you. Yeah. Everyone knew but me, and that's what the, this disease does to you. I mean, I thought drinking was my solution, and it was just helping me get by. Meanwhile, everything in my life was just, you know, if it wasn't bad enough, having nothing, you know. So, I'm in. And this is I, I. I very rarely talk about this part of it, but. There's a thing we call in the program about surrender. We talk about surrendering. Being an athlete, being hockey players, you know, you play right to the last minute. You you never quit. You never give in. You, you know, and uh, surrender just wasn't in your vocabulary. But once I had accepted my plight, my disease, um, you know, and I was four months into the program, and I was going to meetings with Fireman Tom and doing all the right things. He was driving me all up. I'm a great guy. I, I owe my life to him. And uh, But uh, all of a sudden, I'd had surgery on my hip. I hadn't been to a meeting in a while, uh, one of the many surgeries I had. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm in the shower, and I tears start coming down. And I was, you know, tears start coming down. I'm crying, and and I'm trying to figure out why why it all is. I haven't cried since I was 15 years old when my grandfather died in my arms at my house, you know, in Michigan, uh, you know, when I when I was young. I hadn't cried since then. 
and all of a sudden I'm crying and I'm, this is an emotion I just don't know really how to handle. Another emotion I don't know how to handle. And uh, I got out of the shower, put a towel around me, and I knew I had no idea how to live as a sober man. And I knew I couldn't go back to my old way of life. And I sat down on the bed and I reached in my nightstand and pulled out a handgun and uh, was going to fix it. And sure as I, I was going up to my head and I was going to kill myself and my phone rang. And then looked down as it's ringing and it's Fireman Tom's face on the front of my phone. And all of a sudden I said, do I answer it? Do I not answer it? If I don't answer it, will he come over? You know, and uh, ended up, I did answer. I said, yeah, Tom, what can I do for you? And he said, well, Lee, you know, you haven't been to a meeting in 10 days and I got 11 guys here and we're coming over to your house right now. We're going to have a meeting. I just started bawling again. Yeah. I just started bawling again as if that's not odd in God. I don't know what, you know, which one is it? So they you came know. over? They and... come over. I put the gun down. Never even thought about that as a solution again. And, uh, but that moment when he said that, and I get goosebumps thinking about it, I surrendered everything. I surrendered all control. I said, I can't do this anymore. I've got to give this up. I got to give all this, you know, because I, you know, I thought I could control everything still. Even though I went through rehab and everything else, I thought I still had some some bit of control. And But I got down on my knees and I just said, God, take it from me. I sat there with these guys as they came over and, you know, tears rolled down my face and uh, I got real. And from there, it's, you know, it's just been an absolute blessing. I repaired my relationship with my two children, um, you know, my grandkids will never see their grandpa drink, uh, God willing. And uh, it's, it's just been a blessing for me. And But it's just, it's so powerful, so baffling, so cunning, as it talks about in the book. It's just, I'm the only one who didn't realize that it was destroying everything I had left. Yeah. And, well, uh, you know, then, you know, come down a few years later, I uh, get a settlement from that car accident, you know, and it takes forever to go through the courts and everything. But, you know, I get a settlement is more than I made when I played. And, uh, you know, so you know what? It's been a series of putting my life back together and finding purpose in my life without hockey yeah. and helping other men in recovery. And, you know, and that's kind of what we, uh, what, what I try and do nowadays. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I t took my son and my daughter to uh, the big house, the University of Michigan, the big house uh, for mm -hmm. the Toronto Maple Leafs playing the Detroit Red Wings in yep. the outdoor game in January. And it was so cold that day and it was snow and it was a wonderful day. But beginning of the second period, I looked at him, I said, I love you both. But I got rods that go up and down both legs inside the bone. And when they get cold, there's no pain like it. Yeah. And I said, I got to get out of here because my legs are just, you know, it just gets so painful. So I had to leave. And, uh, and I told him that night, I said, I'm going to move to Florida. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to deal with the cold anymore. I'm just going to, you know. Well, God, really, God bless you. And it's good you didn't pull the trigger. And it's good that Fireman Tom 
and company came over and was there for you, let you flush it all out. And then, um, you know, I, I guess I didn't understand at the beginning. I, I can't speak for Tim, but I just thought it was about not doing drugs anymore and not drinking, but it's about, about more than that. That's just a symptom of the real problem. And until you address the real problem, um, you're spinning yeah, the wheels. So um, yeah, someone made me aware of that. I know they have you and I know they have Tim too. And um, yeah, it's just awesome that you, you got your life back and you're down in Florida now. What are you doing down in Florida for work? Well, actually, I'm just finished up a recovery. They had to fix my foot, played it, and some of the bones and things like that. Um, but uh, hopefully it feels great. I'm, I've been asked to go back to the golf course that I work at in Bonita Bay, um, which is one of the premier golf courses. they got five courses here. And, uh, and I'm a greeter. Go figure. I say hello to everybody that comes in. And, uh, you know, which if anybody who knew me back in the old days – I never spoke. I never talked because I was just, you know, they called me. Fucker. Yeah, no, no, new friends. no new friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, now it's, you know, I can't wait to see all of them. I can't wait to get back to uh, work. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's amazing. You know, how many people get a chance to redo their life in the middle of the nightmare? Well, it's never too late. And you're proof of that. I'm proof of that. Tim is. Um, here's the deal. So, Tim, this winter, you and I have to go down to Florida to get greeted by Lee at the golf course and play some golf, right? Yeah, and then you and one I of the go. big perks. And we're staying at his. Perks. We're gonna invite ourselves yeah. now. We're staying no, thought, at his I place. We're just gonna greet Lee, and then you and I would go golf. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's how you guys go play golf. I don't know if my game's up to your level. <laughs> no, no, no don't not. worry. I don't have my own golf cart. Yeah, we'd Tim. love to be around you. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, but so, uh, yeah, we're inviting ourselves first. now. We're coming down. Yeah. We're staying at your place, yeah. So we we, we got to save money. Me here. Yeah. Otherwise, anytime, anytime from like you November guys... to February, we'll be there. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that sounds perfect. It's it's uh you know the perk is that I get to play golf with three guests anytime that uh one of the members isn't playing on it. Cool. So That's we got five courses to play, and Good then stuff. all summer long we get reciprocals, so we can go anywhere and play for free. Good so stuff. It's good a, stuff. Oh, it's it's wonderful, and you know the the folks there are just you know they're amazing. They they're just so nice, and a lot of guys. There's members here that you know, like Davey Gagne. Oh uh, yeah, really real good yeah. player, and uh, he's a good golfer too. Um, but uh, there, that separates me from my golf game. I love golf, and I had it down to a seven handicap at one point, but you know then the injuries start, and you, uh-huh. you just I, you know, I can from 150 and I can play. Well, listen, awesome. Uh, you're an awesome man, and you certainly well, had a, a a rough and tumble life and an awesome career. Um, and to be able to be back on your feet now, living a healthy life, good good for you. And you've certainly, I know, um, helped a lot of people, and uh, you continue to do that. And credit to you for uh, changing your life and. This has been no, awesome having you. Yeah. I really awesome. do appreciate that, Chris, Tim. Tim, you shouldn't ask so many questions. I'm just no, going to tell just, you. That. I was just in awe. I was just listening to your story. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I've ever really heard it uh, in detail. So I yeah. appreciate it. 
Honestly, that makes two like, of Holy us. Fuck, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there there's there's so much more I could share and uh, the motor other motorcycle accidents yeah. and uh, I was just you know. doing what I always do and just comparing and being like this guy's way worse than me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Way way worse. Uh, way, worse. way worse. There's no hope for him. <laughs> no. But you know, it, it's it's amazing and uh, you know, I got a uh, I got a my sponsor now Captain Jack. Uh, unfortunately, Fireman Tom passed away December 17th. Um yeah, out on the golf course. Um, but Captain Jack, 54 years of sobriety. And, uh, you know, down here we pick our sponsors by the size of their boats. Yeah. And uh, he's got a big boat. Good boat. And we go, we'll go fishing too, yeah, Tim. He's got a canoe. He's got a canoe. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, what a guy. I'm going to have lunch with him, late lunch today with him uh, at four o'clock. And, uh, Today marks one year that his wife passed away. You want to talk about the way this program works. Week before the last hurricane, Ian, that came through, um, you know, he came down and stayed with me here because it wasn't, it hit it. His wife dies a week before the hurricane. Then his house get wiped out in the hurricane. But he calls, you know, when he goes back home, he calls me up and says, the boat's still on the dock. It's all good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that how much can one man take? His daughter yeah. passed away, his wife of 62 years, they were married. And today is actually the day of her passing, so we're going to go out and get together. And, well, um, listen, you uh, enjoy your lunch. Say hi to um, Captain. Captain Boris. Jack. Captain okay, Jack. Okay, buddy. Fireman you guys Tom, have always Captain got an Jack. invite down. Yeah. Here's the deal. Down here. Before last you go. Way, actually, I'll say last year... <laughs> States was supposed to come down with uh, Ryan. Uh, I'll get him. Okay, I'll with get Ryan him to come down. I was gonna. I didn't do. know how cool you were until this fucking interview. Now I'm gonna come. <laughs> now I'm gonna come down for sure. Yeah. So, good. Good. Looking forward to it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.